When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Thelman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. We ask everyone who plays in the botanical-style aquarium world to be open-minded about accepting all sorts of unusual things, things which, in our previous hobby experience, freaked us out to no end. It's a lot to ask, I'm sure. I mean, the idea of embracing an aquarium which looks and functions in a manner which is essentially contrary to virtually everything you've been brought up to believe in in the hobby requires a certain leap of faith, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And we, and nature, appreciate you making a leap. What are some of the mental shifts that we've asked you to make over the years? Let's just get right into it. First off, there's tinted water. Okay, this isn't the most difficult demand that this hobby specialty makes of you. However, it's certainly the most immediately obvious one, isn't it? The color, as you know, is a byproduct of tannins and other substances leaching into the water from wood, soils, and botanicals. It's actually one of the most natural looking water conditions around as water influenced by soils, wood, leaves, etc. is ubiquitous around the world. Other than having the undeniable color, there's little that differentiates this water visually from the so-called crystal clear water to the naked eye. Of course, the water may have a lower pH and general hardness, but these factors have no brain on the color of the water. It's entirely possible to have deeply tinted water and high pH and hardness. Yes, it's about aesthetics, but it's also about the beautiful the beautiful function of botanical materials and soils which influence the chemical environment of the aquarium, just like they do in nature. Next one is biofilms. Of all the mental shifts asked of those who play in this arena, accepting the formation of biofilms is likely the biggest ask of all. Their very appearance, although indicative of a properly functioning ecosystem, simply looks like something that we as hobbyists should loathe. Biofilms form when bacteria adhere to surfaces in some form of watery environment begin to excrete a slimy, glue-like substance consisting of sugars and other substances that can stick to all kinds of materials, such as, well, in our case, botanicals. And we could go on and on all day and tell you that this is a completely natural uh, occurrence, bacteria and other microorganisms taking advantage of a perfect substrate upon which to grow and reproduce, just like in the wild. Freshly added botanicals offer a mother load of organic material for these biofilms to propagate, and that's exactly what happens, just like in nature. Yeah, it does. So we will. Biofilms on decomposing leaves are pretty much the foundation for the food webs in rivers and streams throughout the world. They're of fundamental importance to aquatic life. Fungal growth is another one of those life forms, which is a fundamental part of the botanical style aquarium, you know, behavior. Uh, fungal growths perform vital and highly beneficial functions within aquatic ecosystems. Fungi tend to colonize wood and botanical materials because they offer them a lot of surface area to thrive and live out their life cycle. And cellulose, hemocellulose, and lignin, the major components of wood and botanical materials, are degraded by fungi which possess enzymes that can digest these materials. Fungi are regarded by, bio, uh, are regarded by biologists to be the dominant organisms associated with decaying leaves and streams, so this gives you some idea as to why we see them in our aquariums, right? Yeah. In our aquarium work, we see fungal colonization on wood and leaves all the time. 
Most hobbyists will look in sheer horror if they saw the extensive amount of fungal growth on their carefully selected, artistically arranged wood pieces, yet it's one of the most common, elegant, and beneficial processes that occurs in nature. Another big stretch we ask you to make is to accept decomposition. It's one of the things we previously loathed based simply on its outward appearance. The process of decomposition is an amazing process by which nature processes materials for use by the greater ecosystem. It's the first part of recycling of the nutrients that were used by uh, the plant from which the botanical material came from. When a botanical decays, it's broken down and converted into more simple organic form, which, become, which becomes food for all kinds of organisms at the base of the ecosystem. There are six primary products considered in the decomposition process. Uh, bacterial, fungal, and shredder biomass, dissolved organic matter, fine particulate organic matter, and inorganic mineralization products. In tropical streams, a high decomposition rate has been related to high fungal activity. They accomplish a lot and they're related to each other. Of all the processes which we foster and observe in our botanical style aquariums, none is more fundamental than the decomposition of leaves, seed pods, and bark that we play with in our practice. And the most amazing thing is that these very processes that we see in our aquariums have been occurring in nature for eons. And then there's detritus. <laughs> Detritus, the definition of this stuff as accepted in the aquarium hobby is kind of sketchy in this regard, and it's not exactly flattering at the very least. Detritus is defined as dead particulate organic matter, which typically includes the bodies or fragments of dead organisms, as well as fecal material. Detritus is typically colonized by communities of microorganisms, which act to decompose or remineralize the material. It's a good definition uh, by the aquarium wiki, which is a neat little source for some information, but it doesn't sound all that good, does it? But really, is it that bad? I mean, even in that description, there is the part about being colonized by communities of microorganisms which act to decompose or remineralize. It's being processed, utilized. What do these microorganisms do? They eat it. They render it inert. And in the process, they contribute to the biological diversity and arguably, arguably even the, the stability of the system. Some of them are utilized by food, as food by other creatures important in a closed system, I would think, right? This is really important. It's part of the biological operating system of our aquariums. So is detritus a nutrient trap, as aquarists all over the world will tell you at one time or another? Or is it a place for fishes to forage among, a place for biodiversity to arise, a place for larval fishes to seek refuge and sustenance in, kind of like they do in nature and have done so for eons. And going back to that, everything happens for eons, but that's the way nature works. Yeah, I know. We're talking about a closed ecosystem here, which doesn't have all the millions of minute inputs and export nuances that nature does. But structurally and functionally, we have some of them at the highest levels, i.e. water going in and coming out, food sources being added, stuff being exported, etc. There's so much more to this stuff than simply to buy into this unflinchingly uh, overgeneralized statement that detritus is bad. Is there ever a situation, a place or circumstance where leaving the detritus in play is actually a benefit as opposed to a problem? I think so. Think about the potential benefits of allowing some of the stuff to remain. Think about the organisms which feed upon it, the impact of the water quality and the organisms in which feed on them. Then think about the fishes and how they utilize not only this material itself, but the organisms which consume it. Consider its role in the overall ecosystem. And that's another shift we ask you to make, to consider your aquarium as an ecosystem subject to the same influences and challenges as nature. I'm utterly fascinated by the idea of an aquarium as a habitat, which contains a wide variety of plants and animals. Not only do these life forms constitute a source of ecological balance and environmental stability, 
their source of supplemental food for the resident fishes. The point is our aquariums, much like the wild habitats that we strive to replicate, are constantly evolving, accumulating new materials and creating new physical habitats for fishes to forage among. New food sources and chemical and energy inputs are important to the biological diversity and continuity of the flooded forests and streams of the tropics, and they play a similar, similar role in our aquariums. This is one of the most interesting aspects of a botanical-style aquarium. We have the opportunity to create an aquatic microcosm, which provides not only aesthetics that are unique, it provides some supplemental nutritional value for our fishes, and perhaps most important, nutritional or nutrient processing, a self-generating population of creatures that complement, indeed create, the biodiversity in our systems on a more or less continuous basis. This, to me, is extremely exciting. And it's really as much a mental shift as anything else. Much like what we do with our botanical style aquarium systems in general, the willingness of us to really look at nature is more than just an inspiration for making cool looking aquariums, rather an approach which understands that our botanical style aquariums require us to step back and observe what happens in wild aquatic habitats and realizing that the same processes occur in our aquariums. Natural materials submerged in water, processed by a huge diversity of organisms all working together, a microbiome, a tiny functional ecosystem, all of these things are beautiful, natural, and incredibly important to our closed systems, if we give them a chance. It seems that we spend so much time resisting the appearance of some of this stuff and focusing on its removal that it's not even given a chance to prevent it, present its good side, which there most definitely is. And the fact is, these life forms and processes appear in wild environments for a reason. The botanical-style aquarium that we play with is perhaps the first of its kind in the hobby to really say, hey, this is just like nature, and it's not that bad. And to make us think, perhaps there is a benefit to all of this. There is. Aquarium hobbyists have, by and large, collectively spent the better part of a century trying to create workarounds or hacks to work on ways to circumvent what we perceive as unattractive, uninteresting, or even detrimental. And I have a theory that many of these things, many of these processes that we try to edit, polish, or skip altogether are often the most important and foundational aspects of botanical-style aquarium keeping. It's why we literally pound it into your head over and over here that you not only shouldn't try to circumvent these processes and occurrences, but that you should embrace them and attempt to understand exactly what they mean for the fishes that we keep. They're a key part of the functionality. Look to nature and beyond and be bold. Stay open-minded, stay observant, stay creative, stay studious, stay excited, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tannin.